Happy Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. It's the 2nd of May, 2023, day 26 of the counting of the Omer, and the sun is shining here in beautiful Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Crisp breeze. It's a beautiful spring day. It's a nice day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sun's out, which means that our morning is maybe a little later than sometimes. <laughs> yes. But hey, yeah. in a good way. We, yeah, we had yeah. a few technical difficulties. We had it's a, okay. It's a couple. It wasn't that many. Yeah. Thank you, Whistle, for coming and helping us. Yes, and getting us back online. Yeah. Yeah, we're rocking. We're good. We're good. We're yeah. Good now. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still um, enjoying our newly remodeled office facilities. Yes. Yeah. It gets better. We have our final piece in now. And so now I have a few things to remove <laughs> as we're organizing. But yeah, it's it's wonderful in here. Very grateful. Lots of cool things happening around here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So tonight we have to gather. We do. And live stream will be happening. We're going to live stream. And we're in the middle of a grief dunk. Yes. Yeah. Day three of teaching, of sharing in the grief dunk is today. Yeah. So praying for all those hearts and all of those who would like to, to come and be part of a grief dunk at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time to choose to walk with God through that journey to joy. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, this morning, definitely are keenly aware of many spiritual dynamics that are going on in the world right now, and going on locally. I think many of us are feeling some of that thlipsis pressure or tsar pressure uh, in Hebrew that that is happening in the world right now, and Many rumblings, but I think spiritually we're seeing things as much now as any time. And that is exactly what um, the Lord is saying to me this morning related to the shaking of the world. And if we go back almost two years now, a year and a half, but almost two years now, in Terraforming Crowns, there's a chapter on the loose. And we saw the dragon on earth bringing that prideful accusation to the world. And how is the world handling that? Well, I'm, I think we're seeing more and more that there is a pressure taking place to divide people. And that accusation is becoming louder and louder. And we see that... Um, that there is almost a spiritual uh, assault that's going on. And so because of this, we, uh, we feel like there's lots to respond to. We're going to start with Jesus in Matthew 10, verse 16. And Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And this is an uh, incredible 
thing that Jesus said, of course, to his disciples when he was sending them out, and he recognized the power of religion and the way that religion was creating that sense of division. And, um, and that was then, of course, Matthew 24, Jesus said that it would be much worse. But um, in Matthew 10, we see where there is a um, byproduct of the religion, and Jesus uses the word wolf or wolves. And it's not that people who are trapped in religion are evil people. It's that the religion can make people do things that are just not love. And so, uh, Jesus recognized that the, the ones that he sent out would be like innocent lambs who um, were vulnerable. And so, what does this mean to us today? And uh, obviously, it is a time to be both wise and innocent. And there's a, there's a beauty to how those two go together. So, we want to talk through that. And for that, we're going to go up back to Isaiah 11, and we're going to do verse 6 and then verse, verses 9 and 10. And for context, Isaiah 11 is the chapter where uh, the prophecy gives us the seven spirits of the Lord. So there's a, uh, a big piece to this that we're all very aware of, from the, the spirit of the Lord to uh, wisdom and understanding and strength, which is might, and the fear of the Lord, and and all of the seven spirits of the Lord from Revelation 4, we see in Isaiah 11. So then when we move forward uh, three or four Bible verses, this is what Isaiah wrote, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. So now here we've got a cross-reference. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so Isaiah says, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. You know, and for some strange reason, for many, many years, some people translated this to say, the lion shall lay with the lamb, but it actually says the wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, which is such a powerful thing. So even though you have the the danger of the wolf with the innocence of the lamb, the danger of the leopard with the young goat, normally that would be a meal for the leopard and the lion, the fattened calf. But instead, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, Jesus, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples of him, shall the nations inquire. So of him in the, of, shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So, now what we see in this is that Jesus is going to be our signal. That word is nace in Hebrew, Hebrew fifty-two fifty-one, and its covenant is the heir of the wedding ring. So from Nun and Samek, we get the heir of the wedding ring, 
And so we know that this is a bridal signal. And so with that in mind, we hear God saying something to us about how we will interact in these days that are happening now. And so here's a reminder from John 1, verse 29. The next day, uh, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him, and John said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we begin with this idea that Jesus is calling us to be the sheep in the midst of wolves, sheep who lay and dwell with the wolf, but that the wolf will not harm us. And knowing that is very comforting. And so it gives us this this place to start from to know that as we go out in the world today with the shaking, the dividing, and all of the the um, the roars, if you will, of the dragon who is the accuser, that we are called to be vulnerable and to remain open hearted. So when a royal priest positions themselves as lambs, we're ready to give ready to release the love of God so the world can receive and know who God is and that we will have that intimacy and that we're even prepared to lay our lives down to rescue those that Elohim sends us to. And so in that way, as lamb, as sheep, we are innocent as doves. We have gone out with open hearts. We've not become calloused. We've not shut down. We're choosing to love people and to do so uh, with vulnerability. But the second half of this that I hear God saying is um, that we're also lions. So Revelation 5 verse 5 And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the the root of David, which would also be the root of Jesse, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals, Revelation 5.5. So we have Jesus who is both lamb and lion. And we, the maturing sons and daughters of God, as Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, we are here and we are just like Jesus. We are both lions and lambs. And Jesus sent his disciples out in this way, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. All of this is a picture of how we are um, as we go out. So a lion is, is also, a lion is fierce, a lion is strong. A lion does not look to flee from conflict, but rather is ready to stand its ground. A lion will roar with the truth and not be budged to stop deception on the spot and remain firm. And even even though we're not, you know, there's there's no violence in anything that we're doing, it's really just a representation that we are standing firm in what God has said and we're fierce. We're going to fiercely speak truth, even though we are lambs who are uh, ready to give, ready to love, and ready to lay our lives down. We're also lions who are ready to roar the truth. And so, as lions, we are wise as serpents. How can these two exist in a single person? But it's just like Christ, who is our lion and our lamb. And so, we are being just like our king, the one that we're betrothed to, the one that we're becoming more and more like. So, this is our call for this season. It's a time to be ready. It's a time to where we may find ourselves in a position where 
Um, there might be accusation, division. There might be any kind of thing like that to come against us, but that we're going to respond innocent as doves, lambs that are vulnerable, ready to love, but we're also going to stand firm on the rock of Christ as lions and roar the truth and be strong in what God's called us to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't think there's anything more vulnerable than than revealing who you believe your God to be and allowing allowing your God to be that. Like that is such a vulnerable act. It, it meets a God who allowed himself to be so vulnerable that he trusted us with his very character and nature and you know image and likeness and it's just pretty pretty incredible hmm. how uh how we're so created for the flow of Elohim for for all they are doing and and the drawing us together as one you know to be to be part of all that is is happening so here on this 26th day of counting of the Omer halfway through just a little over halfway through now headed to Shavuot which is May 26th in the Gregorian calendar I I really felt I was um, looking deeper into our month of Ziv and just seeing if there was anything that Elohim wanted to reveal and I felt very drawn to the circulatory system so that each of our months has a system um, just like we have a tribe and a tabernacle and our dimension we also have a system within us that's that's an a marker of of that image and likeness of of who God is so in the circulatory system I just felt to look up circulatory in Hebrew and I found some pretty cool stuff. So the first is a word, sha'ar, which means to calculate, to reckon, to value, to consider, to, to split open, or to make room for, and to act as a gatekeeper. So here's this idea of our circulatory system being a, a gatekeeper that allows us to recount, like in the counting of the Omer, to reckon with the value of who God is to us. And I think part of how that happens is, you know, the circulatory system, it, it brings an offering of what the heart needs, and then it it takes, it, it carries what the heart gives. So there's this this um, this giving, this offering, this response that's just, you know, circulatory. And it really takes takes what is needed, what is offered, and what is given through the four chambers of the heart. And it, I just felt like it's a reminder that we are created for a circuit. We are created for this... Um, because another meaning and another word I'm going to touch on is is repetition. We are created for this repetition of the four covenants, of these four places of Elohim's heart that that um, help us recognize and sift and sort and even wrestle and rest and and then come to the value 
of what our inheritance really is and then and then just be be vulnerable to the oneness of Elohim that connectedness that we're we're just called to again and again no matter what new scenario we have no matter what new invitation we might have or a circumstance we haven't been in we have this means to be able to discover who Elohim is in it, who Elohim wants to be to us, and who Elohim is is bringing us more to the becoming of through it as we go through those four covenants. So, there's another word that this word is specifically circulation, and it's mazor. And it means circulation, a circuit, a period, to return, to repeat. Um, it's a rehearsal. And a, a really interesting definition I found is it is to put yourself in someone else's shoes. So last week we talked about, you know, if you see, if you can recognize that you may have planted seeds uh, in another person's field based on on something you said, something that wasn't, uh, it may have been what you believed in the moment about another person, but then... Elohim brought you to see that that wasn't true or that, you know, there was a misunderstanding. There was just something you weren't able to see and going and actually being part either through praying or if Elohim sends you to a person to uproot those seeds. And I found the context of putting yourself in someone else's shoes is, is recognizing if you have seeds in yourself, you know, that are, are, not fruitful in your view of another person. And so, obviously, if you sowed seeds, you very likely have some in your own heart, and that those are weeds. Those are weeds that cause us to be blind, blind to who who Elohim is bringing someone to be. It may have been an experience we had with someone in a moment, but then we aren't open. We aren't in that circulation of of covenant that we've been that's part of our inheritance to to be able to see that person differently and to let seeds that that we received maybe from another person speaking to us or just what you know our own hurt or offense or those kind of things allowed to take root in us and then we have weeds and that that might be the cause of a blind spot related to another person we're in relationship with or not in relationship with, however that looks, but really part of this counting of the Omer time and this idea of our, you know, part of the thing that a circulatory system does is it sifts, it removes waste. So it's sifting out what doesn't belong. And so in this season, it seems that Elohim really has on their heart that we would we would allow ourselves to be sifted. So any seeds that don't belong, any seeds that have taken root and brought weeds, that we're willing to let go of those and have our view um, open because that's part of what a gatekeeper does. A gatekeeper is able to to see what's coming and and be vulnerable enough to receive it. Even knowing it can change you, it can... Um, 
upend your plans, all that kind of thing. It's it's worth opening the gate to everything Elohim's doing. And if we have weeds in the way, we don't have the, the right view. We don't have the the heavenly view of a, a person or something that we're walking through. And we can have a blind spot because of seeds we've let take hold of us again, through like an opinion about someone, just a moment where someone said something and we didn't understand it and we didn't clarify it. We didn't actually take the time to clarify what that person was saying, to ask them, you know, is this what you meant? Is this, you know, what was in your heart? So we're not assuming intent because when we do that, we then draw a conclusion and drawn conclusions are like, drawn guns. They cause us to aim at another person with accusation and to not be able to to have the real view of who that person is is to the Lord and and who they might be to us if we would um <laughs> you know let our innocence be restored. I think there's a real invitation right now as we're recounting um who God is and and what He's done and what we've seen our God overturn, what we've seen our God establish, like that's the might of God. And can we allow our God to overturn some things in us? Can we allow that so that something that has always meant to be established in us can be? And I think that's that innocence restored that you were talking about. It might be something as simple as the uprooting of seeds, the uprooting of things that have taken root in us that just didn't belong. So that felt just really important in these days as we're going through um, the counting of the Omer. And and then I just want to touch on a couple more meanings related to the circulatory system. One of those is to court or woo. That word is hazur, it's C-H-I-Z-U-R, and it means to court or to woo. So part of the covenant of our circulatory system, the way we're designed is to be wooed, is to be drawn to the heart of God. And I think that that would be my essence of the circulatory system and the exploration of it in this season. Are we able to be wooed? Are we able to be courted away from an idea that we established, away from an opinion we established or a wound we're protecting and instead be drawn into the heart of God, drawn through that circuit, drawn through those covenants so that what is meant to be established in our heart, that place of authority we are, that it's true authority, it's justice, because we see the way God sees, we respond the way God responds, and um, and that, so it's really part of this might is having the authority of God, you know, just reconvened in us, you know, reconvened in a way that that we do, we do let him upend um, the things that aren't just in us and our view of the world, our view of each other, our view of of Elohim and and let truth be established in us. So another pretty amazing thing about the word for circulatory is this word mazar, mazor, <laughs> is, uh, it means lifeline, and it is connected 
to the prayer book for the High Holy Days. So the prayers that are, are read and repeated on the High Holy Days, on the feast days. Our circulatory system reminds us of that lifeline that we have. Our lifeline is prayer. It is uh, our conversation with God. It is our communication, our communion. Those moments we come and and all things that need to be overturned are overturned and everything established is being established and there's this open gate. We're gatekeepers for that. We're gatekeepers for that, that truth to reign in us. And so this prayer book, it's considered a, a poem and it really is a call to unity. These prayers are called a unity and the understanding that the one, Elohim, the that our God that reveals oneness from the beginning is representing many or all. And that um, this draws us to the community of the ancient. So the things that have always been, what has been established. And and one of the things it's considered that this this prayer does on these high holy days is to draw to the truth that that we are not meant to be blind or deaf to others' needs, but awakened to them. Like that's part of the movement of God is that we are awakened to the needs of others. We are awakened to His desire to meet needs. And so as these uh, prayers are happening, there's this response that that happens among the people. And it is um, basically... This is our God. This is the God we are so agreed upon. Like nothing else should be able to divide us because we're agreed on who this God is. We have come to oneness in the identity of our God. And so throughout this prayer, throughout the mazor or the circulatory system of the spirit, the, the, um, the aspect of Elohim that is recognized throughout all of it is our dimension for this month, Geborah or Gabor, might. And it's very specifically a military description of a great warrior. So this, is, this would be like... <laughs> Uh, when I don't know, everyone hasn't seen Band of Brothers. We have really appreciated that story. Um, and so there's some scenes in it where it feels like these warriors go just beyond humanity, like what they're able to do, the, the artillery, they're able to make it through the shots fired that they, they dodge and they miss and they go and they make this rescue and then make their way back through it. Like that's the kind of description, like you can't comprehend how it happened. You can't comprehend that that rescue could actually have been enacted, enabled, and completed. Like it's beyond comprehension. And so that's that's the God of might. That's the the God that is being recognized um, through this prayer. The one who who goes beyond all comprehension, and um, but also at the same time that 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 
Elohim is being set apart for that kind of recognition, there's this invitation to draw near, this recognition that wait, that's not just a hero, that's our God. That's the God we want to be close to. That's the God we want to know intimately. That's the God that we want to um, trust everything to. So just a, an invitation. There are some Psalms that that have this word Geborah as the descriptor of, of who God is. And so as we're recounting um, Recounting who he is and the counting of the Omer, there's there's lots of readings you can do. I just want to put these out for these days. So Psalm 24 uh, speaks of the God who opens. And the reason this God opens is for glory to be poured out, is for, for a people to be able to lift their heads and raise their hands and be completely opened and vulnerable to the fullness of of who this God is, the one that defends, the one that not only fights for, but overpowers those who are fighting those He loves. I mean, it's what you were describing, like, in this day, where are our eyes? You know, um, there is a lot happening in the world, but this is the God who overpowers those who contend with those He loves. And so that, the in this prayer, they would recognize that and then celebrate this, this opening God, this um, God who opened, opened the entirety of their heart to us. Like that's our God. It's not, it's not this um, pagan God. It's not like there's nothing that compares to this God. And then Psalm 33 uses Gabor as well. And Psalm 33 speaks of the truth of, of God's plan, that He spoke and the world was created, and that was an act of might. And so what this God establishes is everlasting. It is for the benefit of. Like This is a, a moment of recognizing that everything God does, every single thing, Elohim does is on our behalf, is done for the behalf of us, for the good of us. And then uh, Psalm 34 speaks of, of a God who is uh, bannered by angels, like has every resource at his, at his disposal. This is the, the Lord of hosts. This is the, the God who surrounds, who encamps, who... Um, who always brings the sign that, that, that something is being moved, something is being changed. And, and again, the response is, and that is our God. Like, you know, that is our God. He isn't just this, this separate God. Like, we're setting Him apart to recognize Him as ours. Like, He does this for us. And then uh, Psalm 68 speaks of the might of God to be memory, to be our memory bank, our sanctuary, the place that we that dwell, that the gift of might He gives to us is remembrance, that He would be remembered for every generation because He will always, always make Himself known in every single every single aspect we ever need to know Him, He will make Himself known. 
And uh, I love um, uh, all of this, but a section of it where it says, when you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, you gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it. Your people settled in this inheritance that you refreshed every single day. This is speaking of, of manna, of what he the way that he provided. Your people settled in it. And from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. Has anything ever really been left out? Did he miss a step? Did he miss a single need that would ever be? No, he didn't. So this, uh, this, this prayer that is said at the High Holy Days, the Maxor, is it's about a connection with the God who seems beyond comprehension. It's like confronting the master of the universe as Job did when he examined, he was invited to examine the works of God and all he wanted after that dialogue with the Lord was to draw near because he he wanted to be able to relate now to the holiness of God. He had had it, the holiness set apart, and now he wanted to be able to relate to it in a very tangible way. We see a prayer such of this in the story as such as this in the story of Hannah. So um, you know, where she just had this this aspect of how do you how do you relate to the lion and the lamb. Really, how do you relate to one who is so mighty and can accomplish anything, yet is so tender to your own need, your particular need, that makes himself vulnerable to your need while being able to hold the entire universe and know every the plan of every planet, every star, every bit of uh, creation in our hearts? And how do you how do you balance that you know in your in your heart in a way that you can forge a connection with this God that's beyond comprehension? In Hannah's story, she's had her child. She's had Samuel. The Lord answered, and that was Samuel's name. He answers, and and she's jubilant. Like she is so jubilant. And but the first thing she doesn't she doesn't first speak of of um, the closeness of her heart's proximity to her. She sets the Lord apart. She speaks of the Lord's loftiness, the holiness, that which makes him incomprehensible. Um, and so she says, there's no one as holy as God because there is none but you. And that's kind of an interesting phrase. Um, there is no rock like our God. Basically, let God be God. And so it's, her phrasing is interesting because she says, none are as holy as you because there's nothing but you. So it sounds kind of funny, like, well, there's nothing to compare you to. Exactly. There's nothing to compare Elohim to. This isn't as counterintuitive in its phrasing as it seems because Hannah is speaking of the source 
first, in this first phrase, she is not talking to God. She's talking about God. She's declaring who God is. She sets God apart. And then she draws near. She breaches the distance and says, this is my God. This is the God who did it for me. First, I set apart the God who, who has the master plan. I just recognize the one who holds everything. And then I draw near. I balance the, my proximity. I set him apart for closeness. I set him apart so that I can be drawn near to the reality of who he is, the one who can do anything, did something for me did something that was so precious to me. And, and so that was the celebration and just the essence of this prayer, setting them apart so someone else can see and then making yourself so vulnerable to not just say, this is a God who does things, but to say, this is my God. Or as a people, this is our God. He acts on our behalf and we believe it with all that we are. And I know that we do believe that with all we are. So lastly, I was seeing something in the circulatory system related to the tribes because the tribe for Ziv is Issachar, but you can't really talk about Issachar without also talking about Zebulun, and you can't really talk about Zebulun without talking about Issachar because they were paired, even in their blessing, they were paired together, and that was because they were going to move on behalf of each other. Like everything they did was not just going to be for themselves. It was going to be, uh, be on the behalf of another. And what a revelation of, of who Elohim desires to be and desires us to be. So Zebulun was, gonna, was to support Issachar financially, and Issachar was to support Zebulun with great wealth, which is the reminder to always be drawn to God, to be connected, to never, no matter what success you had, no matter what commerce you could become the Lord of, that it was always who the source was, to always remain connected. So Zebulun, their emblem was of a, is of a sailing ship with an ancient port. And the blessing said Zebulun would dwell towards the seashore and be a haven for ships. And um, so in Genesis 30, 20, when Zebulun was named, what Leah said was, God has presented me with a good dowry. And that word is zavod in Hebrew for dowry. And this isn't just about things provided, it's about a place provided. So Zebulun means a habitation, a dwelling, to live together, to be in unity, to be, to dwell in unity. And she said, Leah said, my husband will make his permanent home with me. And that's such a promise for us. Our husband, our groom will make his permanent home with us. And so that's a picture of, of Zebulun and remembering that they were, they were called to be uh, to be the, the benefit for Issachar, and they had a season where they went out past, you know, past being the haven. They went out to see and to find, you know, all the, you know, find some ways they could provide for themselves. But when they returned to the shoreline, when they came back to the place that they really were provided, 
they found a provision that was beyond measure, and that was the chilazon, which had the beautiful blue dye that adorned the talits and um, the tapestries and all of that, all of those things for the temple. And so one of the calls to Zebulun was to be a lighthouse, to be a guide in the dark, to be welcome. And I feel like that's an important part of our, our circuit as we circulate that, you know, why are we placed where we're placed? Why are we put there? to be a lighthouse, to be a guide in the dark, to be a place of welcome to who God is to us. And then Issachar's uh, symbol is a donkey laden with, with packs, and this donkey is peeking through a window. And then another aspect is the sun, moon, and stars on a bluish-black night sky. And it ties to Chronicle, First Chronicles 12.32, related to the men that had understanding of the times, which meant the astronomy, that design, and the calendar of God. Um, the art for the, that tribe features men of learning who understood the times by recording the alignment of the planets. There's a telescope and then books. Um, an hourglass keeping time. That's what they were trusted with. So they knew, you know, part of the benefit they brought to Zebulun. Zebulun brought Issachar this provision that really was the Lord's provision for them. And Issachar brought this uh, the currency of time to know when it was time to do something, when it was time to to pause and draw near and discover God's heart and not just go in your own plan, not just go the the way that you can make for yourself. And one of the things that Leah said about Issachar was uh, she called him the man of my reward or the man of my employ, meaning this this devotion to be employed for the benefit of the Lord, for that to be the employment. And so um, Zebulun was to be successful in, in commerce, and Issachar was to be successful in the tents with the Torah. One of the things they did was they would call the tribes to the temple to observe the feast. And so they... Uh, Zebulun went out, you know, in the sand where these these hidden treasures were. That was part of their blessing to partake of the abundance of the sea and the treasures hidden in sand. And Issachar would call them back to the sand, back to that shoreline where they discovered this this great wealth. And so all that to say, I feel like it's such a picture of how we are meant to live for the benefit of each other, that that's part of this circulatory system, that we're ever for each other. We're for the benefit that God has for each other, not here to determine why someone doesn't deserve something or um, what that they should get theirs, you know, in a negative way that, that um, you know, they got what was coming to them because of what they did, but to always be aiming each other towards the benefit that God has for us in the place He's planted us, in the place where He provides for us, that we're ever about, each of us, every heart receiving the benefit of God, because that's, 
that's his might is to provide, is to be that warrior that does beyond what we can comprehend. Forgiveness, my goodness, it is so, the truth of it is so far still beyond our comprehension. Even as much of a treasure that was hidden in the sand it is to us, we still don't comprehend the fullness of what He can do through it at times. And so we get to call each other to the shoreline, and we get to go out and receive on behalf of others all that is God's benefit for each other. And so we work together, we come together, the community of the ancient. It's just amazing. Um, you know, the, the world shaking right now and dividing and accusing and all of these things. And what does it do? It causes us to find some distraction so that we forget that that's everything that Jesus called us to do is to be the people of love who bring cups of cold water to others mm -hmm. that feed each other and clothe each other and take care of each other and yeah. that we're here to love people. And when we, when we find things that divide us, we lose track of what really is on God's heart, which is, which is that overflow of heaven that pours out to us so that we have an overflow that pours out to the world and we're constantly giving and we've we've learned how to receive but we've learned how to give and we're constantly loving people and for the benefit of others that's just that's just so glorious yeah you know justice in one of its purest forms is looking inside ourselves and seeing what would prohibit it, what would keep us from responding, what would keep us from being moved towards another heart, you know, because of an opinion we have or a judgment or a conclusion we've drawn, you know, and aimed at that person, we get to look and have justice be the overturning of those things in us so the kingdom can truly be established in us and through us. Amen. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Well, we will see you tonight. Yes, we will. Let your Tuesday continue to be happy. <laughs> yes, love you. Bye.